Uh, so there's one big project I'm really excited about, um, and it's actually my first time mentioning it. And then uh, from there, I went to to Nike. It's like you really have to decide like if this is where you're going and stand on it. I went to work at Adidas, and I worked on special projects there. Hey everyone, I'm Erin Ashley Simon. I'm a broadcaster, entrepreneur, and cultural disruptor who's redefining what it means to be a creator. Welcome to Real Gems. I created Real Gems because I wanted a place for your favorite creators to be honest, to be themselves, and really talk about the ins and outs of what a career looks like in front of a camera. Today's guest is a well-known creative director as well as the co-founder for Claim of Stories, which is an independent creative content agency that connects brands to consumers via authentic storytelling rooted in representation and purpose. Please welcome Bima Williams. Bima, great to have you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be in LA for sure. I know, sunshines, <laughs> no rain <laughs> up in Look, Portland. We've been dealing with a lot of rain in Portland, so it's nice to just come and enjoy a little sunshine. Mm -hmm. Even though it's getting sunny out in Portland right now, so I'm kind of like, oh, it's the good time, the good part of Portland <laughs> starting to happen. <laughs> well, you get to go back home to that, so, I get to go so back. that's good. Yeah. But Bima, I've been wanting to have this conversation with you for the longest mm -hmm. because uh, I actually found you through my my homie Mark Razzle. Yeah. Uh, shout yeah. out to Mark. Shout out to Mark. <laughs> shout out to Mark. <laughs> uh, and I just love what you're doing with Claim of Stories and everything you're doing from a content perspective mm -hmm. and how you you went from working mm -hmm. at a big big company. I'll let you do <laughs> yeah. that. I'll let you talk about that part. You were at a really notable <laughs> company <laughs> saw a void and then went to create your own thing. Yeah. And that's hard to do. And it, it's like you know, people are afraid to just jump ship and do that. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about like, where did you start in your career hmm. and what inspired you to get to this point? Yeah, totally. So um, most of my professional career had been in, in marketing, brand marketing per se. Let's just give it a big old umbrella um, in athletic um, industry, footwear, uh, athletic and outdoor. And so I worked at a small, smaller brand known as Saucony out in Boston and make running shoes. Um, a lot of people probably hearing this are like, I thought that was called Saucony. <laughs> but so I worked at Saucony for a little bit uh, for four years. I worked in social media to influencer marketing, affiliate marketing, global collaborations, um, retail activation. I did a lot during those four years. <laughs> Uh, from there, I took that and I went into Portland. Um, my wife and I moved to Portland and I went to work at Adidas and I worked on special projects there um, from a product creation and a brand marketing standpoint. And then uh, from there, I went to, to Nike for, for a little bit um, and got to work on a lot of incredible projects there. Um, everyone from Travis Scott to Drake to Supreme and Stussy like, had a great, great, great experience. And so um, it was it was dope. Like it was a great, great time. But the thing that was interesting to me was it took me so long to even get to those places yeah. in the first place, um, because I'm originally from Louisiana and Baton Rouge, Louisiana specifically, which is about 45 minutes outside of New Orleans. And uh, my folks were chemical plant workers like they worked in chemical plants. My mom would tell me stories about how there'd be like pipes of chemicals that would go through the building over their heads and if they had like an accident with like a, a pipe burst or something like that those chemicals are so strong that you know no one would, would make it through those types of situations and so 
you know, working class family, that's that's what my folks did. That's what their network and their community was. And so that's all I knew. But I was always felt like kind of this um, this kid that kind of felt like the, the, the outcast because not necessarily like there were times where folks weren't um, inviting me or welcoming me in, but just because I wasn't interested in a lot of the same things. And a lot of the popular conversations were for sure sports. Like I went to LSU, I love football culture, of, of course. Um, but then it was like, there's that, there's people that work in construction. What about the people like me who can't really define those types of career paths? Mm -hmm. and, and so coming up, that was really difficult for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so you're in Adidas, yeah. you're in Nike. Yeah. I know you've you, you talked a little bit about it, about that journey of mm. you were there and you just felt like certain perspectives, mm. certain stories weren't there. Yeah. And so to speak that maybe, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of connecting to your brand that you didn't have a seat at the mm -mm. table. Mm -mm. And so... Tell us a little bit about that experience if you can, yeah. and then what inspired you then to create your creative agency as totally. well as the overall platform that you have? Totally, so I think one of the things that I was experiencing when I was working at these brands was that I had done so much, all this sacrificing to get to these places. And, and what I mean is that, you know, I'm, I'm, there's things that, you know, my friends are able to enjoy. They're going to do these different things and I'm sitting at home, you know, working on my craft or, you know, people are going to parties or I'm staying up late, like all those things that uh, any normal person would appreciate and want to do. Uh, the reality, though, is when you're trying to do something different, it does require a, a different um, set of habits and routines. And so I had cultivated those things to get to this place um, where in my eyes, like I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is about to be everything. I'm going to be totally happy. I'm about to thrive in my career. And parts of those things were true. Right. Um, when I got to Saucony, I was the only um, black employee of like 400 people in a building, right? And Ooh. so Saucony is owned by Wolverine Worldwide. And and so I'm in, in that environment. And while I never faced any um, um, sort of direct um, discrimination, what I did feel was I didn't have representation. I didn't have community there. So those things would start to stick with me, especially as we were getting into like my last year there around 2016 and um, Donald Trump's coming into office, right? Mm. Um, and you, you just have these certain things that are happening. Um, out in Sterling had just had been murdered in my hometown of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I can't talk about it with anyone um, during my day to day where I spend most of my time. And so when I went over to Adidas, things were a little bit better. There were some more of us, but there weren't folks of color that were in leadership. Mm. We weren't at the decision-making table. Um, and around that same time, an article came out in 2018 um, that accused Adidas of um, stifling the careers of a lot of black professionals that were working there. Um, a lot of my colleagues had actually uh, contributed to that to that that article, um, and a lot of us were frustrated. I, I was frustrated myself because it's like, wow, here you are thinking that if you just put in the effort, put in the work, um, you know, all the notions of work twice as hard, you'll get you'll get further along. Um, but that's not really the reality that that you're dealing with. You're dealing with a uh, different circumstances that 
you know, that are bigger than you, that are folks that are sitting at tables higher than you that can really have an impact on where you're going to go. Um, and so it was between that time, between Adidas and Nike, where I was inspired. And I wasn't just inspired, though. I was inspired. I was depressed. I was frustrated. I was anxious. Um, and I chose to channel it into, okay, well, maybe I can do something with this. And so it was around that time. Um, and I had been telling a couple different um, colleagues. I think, you know, when you're, you're around colleagues, everyone has like, oh, I'm going to do this. Or I wish I could do this. Or I got this idea in my head. And a lot of times... Sometimes they just remain ideas. Sometimes people are just kind of sharing their dreams, but they might not necessarily want to go do much behind them. Um, I had decided April 2019 that I was leaving Adidas and um, I had an opportunity to go over to to Nike, but I couldn't go because of a non-compete. So I had to sit out for um, some time and uh, it was going to be up to a year. Mm-hmm. But this is my first time that... Um, I didn't know what a non-compete was. I signed this non-compete, but I didn't know what that meant if I actually left. And essentially, it meant that I couldn't go work at a competitor brand for up towards a year, Mm. but Adidas would pay me my full salary. Oh. And this is the first time in my adult life where my compensation wasn't tied to my labor. So it didn't matter what I did every day of the week, money would show up <laughs> in a bank account and I can maintain, you know, my lifestyle while I'm getting ready to get into my next thing. And so a lot of folks do a number of things when they have these breaks, they take vacations, they um, take up a new craft, whatever it may be. And I had this idea kind of for Clayma percolating, like the name was there, um, but I didn't kind of know exactly where I wanted to kind of place it. And it's through that time, um, that uh, did a lot of kind of conversations with um, colleagues around um, this thesis that I had around um, folks that are underrepresented, um, creators of color, providing opportunities, providing guidance. And I, I met uh, a co-founder, BJ Fergozo. And the next thing you knew was um, we had started to kind of come up with this pilot idea. And most of my experience working in brand marketing, I've always been the the strategist. I've always loved to come up with the ideas, figure out who can be a part of those ideas. Um, when I was at Saucony, um, I didn't have a large budget, um, especially because a lot of things that I wanted to do were definitely on the edge. They weren't um, traditional marketing or even familiar players that, that the brand or industry would work with. And so I had to always be pretty creative around how to get things done when you don't have a ton of funding. Um, and it was was through that that um, I kind of used that same thing when I was thinking about what we could do with Clayma. Um, But to kind of bring it back around, it started to facilitate to be a podcast or, um, or manifest to be a podcast or a show. But what I was trying to say there was that I never intended for me to be front facing. Mm. Always intended it for someone else to be the host. Um, But I think as you quickly realize when you're doing any endeavor of passion and it doesn't necessarily have money out of the gate, 
no one's going to be as serious about it as, as you're going to be. And so while I might not have seen myself as, as the host, the reality was that if this was going to get off the ground, it was a seat that I was going to have to sit in. Um, and so we debuted um, a first collection of interviews almost four years ago. It was August 11th, 2019. And we did this at a live event called the African-American Footwear Forum out in Portland, Oregon at the Portland Art Museum. Um, and it was my first time doing interviews live in front of anyone. <laughs> um, and those are some of the best interviews I've, I've ever done. And I learned something new about myself that day. I learned that um, that type of engagement was quite normal for me because usually I have a bit of stage fright. Mm. Um, and I learned to kind of just get comfortable with being in that space and instead of letting the nerves sort of um, stop me. Yeah. I was able to use that that energy to propel it into to wonderful conversations. And so that those moments started to really shape Clayma. And I think the most distinct um, affirming sort of uh, feedback we received was actually from um, a journalist at Footwear News and, and, and ESPN. I got off the stage and they were like, how long have you been doing this? And I was like, today, <laughs> right now. <laughs> I was like, right now. I was like, I have not been doing this. And 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 they were like, well, what are you gonna do with these conversations? Because they were really good. And so that's when we were like, okay, mm -hmm. we'll do the podcast. Because also from a resource standpoint, that was the easiest and most cost efficient way for us to get this information to the people we wanted to reach, which mm -hmm. were our fellow creators of color as well as um, young creatives of color. We just wanted to share this information we have this amazing networks but no one's been given this information back and that really became the um became the the foundation of claima which is to um, inspire creators of color uh, to claim a seat at any table of their choosing i love that and i understand like the struggles that come with mm -hmm. uh you know having to balance balance the business side of things and having brands understand <laughs> the importance of storytelling, the importance of reaching certain demographics. But at the, at the other end, they're like, we need to hit this mark, this quota. And it's, <laughs> it's stressful. It's hard. It's, yeah. it's very frustrating, especially when there's only so much that you can do. And yeah. that actually, that also inspired me to create this podcast. I wanted to create real conversations uh, with creators and being honest about how the industries are and being honest about you know, why people transition, why people yeah. create their own platform yeah. because they don't have a platform in the companies. And that really drove the vision to for this. And mm -hmm. that clearly drove the vision for you. And so obviously it's developed since then. Yeah. So what do you think is currently right now the the vision of Clayma and, mm -hmm. and where you want to see it go? Totally. So you know, right now we describe ourselves as a boutique media and content agency. And essentially what that means is there is content that we create that is purely our IP, purely from our vision. And we're not collaborating necessarily with a brand to bring that to life. We love to work with brands that um, believe in what we're doing and want to support that content. And that's how we bring them through. And then from the content agency side, there's just stories and ideas and experiences or product, whatever you, you want to call it, that we feel like brands could do in a different way that would really resonate with 
um, our audience or other other audiences of color. And so we might partner with them to do a docu series, or we might partner with them to do an activation at something like Complex Con. And so when I think about Clayma and like the truest um, aspiration around it, it is to grow into um, a more mature business in that regard, but still be able to keep our our edge, right? Because for us, we turn we turn down projects if they don't line up with what we feel like our brand is. And I think that's the uniqueness of it is that we're not just a boutique media company. We're not just a content agency. We are a brand with a community and we are trying to serve this community so that we can foster their growth over time. And that's truly going to take some years to, to see how that happens. But, you know, it's kind of like people didn't realize they were learning when they were watching Nickelodeon, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, oh, it's fun. It's like, yeah, it's fun. And you're also getting exposed to, to different things. Like, you know, people still reference, um, you know, Cousin Skeeter and stuff like that, <laughs> you know what I mean? So for, for us, it's that, but then also expanding, right? Getting into scripted programming, um, getting into animated, um, being able to expand into different IP, uh, because I think the more that we can come up with different ways to reach young creatives of color, um, the, the better chance we have of providing them with examples and guidance um, and the resources that they need to bring their ideas to life. Like that's in essence what I what I'm building is what I wish I had. Yeah. Growing up. <laughs> Did you expect it to to get to the success level that mm. it is now, especially with it having such a focal point on social representation? Mm. And we're in such an interesting climate where anything that's like social mm. representation, people are like, no, this is too woke. I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> like, like, did you expect it to get to this point? Um, I, I would say my expectation was always around. Am I doing something that I find fulfills me mm. and, and provides meaning and also um, is is fulfilling the, the mission that we had in place. And so I would say yes to that. I, I Because we were intentful about making sure that would happen. As far as the, um, the attention and the, the, the visibility that's come from it, no, right? Because the reason I would say no is because we couldn't predict what would happen in, we started in 2019, no one had a prediction of what would happen to podcasting by 2020, which mm. was this this giant explosion and expansion. And I don't know if you remember, but they were like, you know, people were signing crazy deals. Spotify was spending, spending, spending money, right? Mm -hmm. You had this 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 Joe Rogan deal for 200 million. You know, Joe Budden had this crazy deal. Um, uh, you know, it, the list goes on. Kevin Hart has these big deals, and folks are like coming into this space, and here we are as this independent. And, you know, we're sitting in the top 5% next to a lot of these different people. Um, it wasn't something that um, I expected. And a lot of times, I will say from a mindset standpoint, I try not to put emphasis on those things because they are so fleeting. And they, while they're great, I think they're great. You know, you go for dinner, it's a great dessert. <laughs> <laughs> but what I really need is the main entree. And to me, the main entree is just the the effort of doing the work, the day-to-day the -day doing the work to, when I get a DM from a kid in Ghana and they're like, this is the first time I heard a conversation like this, it really opened my, up my eyes. I'm like, that was the win. Yeah. That was the win. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 
like you said, like the accolades, the other things, it's great. It's nice. But ultimately, it's like having that main purpose and that main vision that drives everything regardless. Yeah. I think for even for me, I, I've gotten to that point, too, where I know what I want to do. I know what the mm. vision is and whether people want to recognize it or not. I'm very comfortable with that because I feel like when you have such a strong vision, you have such a strong direction and, and one that's driven by passion. People are going to gravitate towards it naturally. Yeah. And and the right people will gravitate mm -hmm. towards it, right? It's not going to be, it ain't for everybody. Yeah. Shout out to Hope. It ain't for everybody. <laughs> like, there, and you have to be comfortable with that, right? You have to get comfortable with the, the notion that you're not building something that's going to be for every single individual, but it is for these folks that you're, you're, you're targeting. And if it's working for them, over time, that audience is going to grow. And it's going to be this amazing thing that you didn't even know it was going to be when you started. Uh, and so that's where I try, try to keep the focus. But I'm human, too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there are days where I'm like, oh, I wish this was going faster or <laughs> yeah. what's happening in the economy. Like, you know, what's going on with our brand conversations or, you know, the the fragmentation of like social media. And like, oh, gosh, especially Twitter. it's 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 just <laughs> like you're like. I'm just trying to connect with the people I'm trying to connect with. I don't want to deal with all of these different algorithms and all these things. Like, I just want to reach my audience. <laughs> now, I feel you. I feel you. It's the same thing. Like, even with this, I'm like, all right, what is the hook? What is the cutout content yeah. piece? But I just want to, like, just put this out and just connect with people <laughs> as a whole. And, you know, we, earlier we had a conversation about what we feel like brands aren't entirely mm. doing right. Mm. And I'm not saying all, mm -hmm. but at least for from your experience, mm -hmm. you know, what do you feel like brands aren't getting right? And and where do you see a void that like Claim was trying to fill yeah. with that? Yeah, so the, I mean, the thing that's top of mind that I see is that um, brands don't currently have a strategy in place that allows them to be consistent when it comes to um, serving the greater good, right? And you could bucket that as, purpose marketing you can you can bucket it how, however you want to call it but at the end of the day what tends to happen is brands come off as um opportunistic when it comes to things that um folks really are passionate about so whether that is representation or diversity whether that is climate change or women's rights um or lgbtq rights they are constantly showing up as opportunistic versus actually giving a shit about these actual things. And the thing about us when we come in the door or if we decide to work with a partner, it's, hey, we understand where you've been, but if we're gonna work together, we have to, we have, to have a plan that is beyond just a marketing campaign. It has to also have a commitment back to these communities. And it has to be a commitment that's longer than a year because that's what always happens, right? A brand goes into a market, maybe it's All-Star Weekend, they spend a bunch of money, do something really cool, and then they dip. And then these communities are like, this was great for the weekend, but what about us after this? Like, what what can we take from this that allows us to, to continue to grow? And so that to me is one of the biggest opportunities is how can you actually live out what your actual brand mission is and focus on that consistently versus chasing the different things now i can say that because i'm an independent 
entrepreneurial yeah. business, right? We don't have the same competing challenges that big global brands have. They have to report to Wall Street. They have, you know, they have to report to to stockholders and all these different things. Um, and so it's a little bit hard for that course correction, but I think if done over time and done in the right ways, it can lead to um, an actual meaningful and impactful relationship yeah. with with consumers. I think the the big news um, in the last couple of weeks has been around Bud Light, and um, they had announced this campaign um, where they had a, a trans person um, facing that campaign, um, and then their existing audience um sort of came at them and said like we don't want this and then they kind of walked back on it and then unfortunately the 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 vp of marketing has stepped down and um they came at that person um personally and so it's 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 a tough thing when you're trying to do what you feel like is the right thing um but it also requires the right strategy the right timing um and it's things that you just can't rush into to be opportunistic like you really have to decide like if this is where you're going and stand on it yeah and it's a gradual thing like you said right like you know if you're gonna work with someone who's part of the lgbtq plus community don't just be like hey here's an lgbtq plus person like have their story be much more ingrained in it as a person mm -hmm. versus just oh this is just they're part of this community we're gonna support this community yeah i, I talk about it all the time i'm like because it, it goes back to what I said, it's challenging. We understand there's investors, there's mm -hmm. things you have to hit, but I always say like there is a middle ground mm -hmm. and part of it is transparency, right? Like I would rather have a boss that says, hey, mm -hmm. listen, we have to hit this revenue yeah. point, right? Yeah. But in hitting this, you know, let's do some of these other things that I know you may not like, but we have to do it to hit this mark. Yeah. But then also, I'll make sure there's a budget for you to do the things you want to totally, do. I totally I agree I wish it was you. more like that, but it's not. It's not, <laughs> but I'm like, you have to be able to have both, right? Yeah. We And we're seeing it in society right now. We're seeing the impacts of so long just focusing on the capitalistic aspect and capital capitalism not having a part in the well-being of the rest of society mm -hmm. i mean we got record numbers of homelessness now right yeah. we have more gun violence every single day people are literally starving and so they're they're acting out right because we don't have resources it like sits in like a certain group of people and then everyone else is like fending and pulling and trying to figure out what what's left mm -hmm. for the rest of us you know yeah i mean what is left what mm -hmm. is what is there for us to build upon mm -hmm. i mean i see that like what you guys are doing um you know with providing the stories and and really having these honest conversations i think that is something that we do have our our stories our our troops that we yeah. can communicate and hopefully some people listen and there are gonna be some people who don't but i really do yeah. feel like more people are starting to listen yeah. and i think that we need a lot more of that it's been such a divisive <laughs> period of time that like i think we need to spend more time listening versus being reactionary right and you have been involving, Clam has been involving. So what has the journey been looking like so far? I know you guys, you have a whole Amazon series. I saw the <laughs> one with JoJo. Um, but like, what what have you guys been doing and building upon yeah. more recently? Uh, so there's one big project I'm really excited about. Um, and uh, it's actually my first time mentioning it. Um, <laughs> but it's a project we call Claim a Seat. And so it's our first time where we're actually going to be getting into product. 
and mm-hmm. I mean like you know making chairs like sneaker <laughs> I, it's, it's on a list like I'm like I one of the things I've been wanting to do is like I just want to make furniture but I don't know if anyone will get it <laughs> I was like we just start making chairs when people get it um but essentially claim a seat is a, a vehicle for us to fight inequality in society and so mm-hmm. you've heard of red.org and they partner yeah. with brands and they they raise money for global health we want to raise money to fighting inequality for creators of color and so we're partnering with different brands to do that. And so um, this year we're kicking that off with four different brands. Um, we're working with Mir out of Seattle. They make drinkware. Uh, shout out to the founder, Brian. We did a great activation with them recently. Um, we're partnering with 47 brand out of Boston. Um, they make headwear hats and wearing the hat now. And then uh, we're dropping two sneakers, um, sneakers and footwear this year. So we're working with uh, Saucony um, in Boston as well as Clark's. And so Saucony is a bit of a full circle moment since I, I, I worked there. Um, but what's so dope about it is going to combine experiences, content, and product um, where we bring folks together. And then all of this will benefit a nonprofit in Portland called All Hands Raised. Mm-hmm. And what's so dope about this nonprofit is that they actually work with at-risk youth of color from birth until employment or LLC. Mm. So it's it's kind of unprecedented the amount of time that they will spend with um, folks on this journey. Um, and their whole thing is to how can they, one of the key KPIs I would say is they had like, in some of these school districts, they had like upwards of like 80% of like kids that were dropping out. Mm. And they said, okay, well, in our first year, if we can, you know, improve this stat by like 10%, 10% more, um, we're doing something. But they got challenged and they were like, no, you should go for 30%. In the first year, they were able to shift that from, you know, 80% not graduating and they made 60% improvement on that stat. So that meant they saved so many kids. Wow. Right. And so for us, I'm like, well, what happens through Claim a Seat if we can build that? I don't know, over 10 years and raise $100 million and support various charities through this, but specifically, distinctly to this. And I think that's the key point is like, I think climate change is important, but that's not that's not my mission. I think, um, um, you know, sustainability and and rights, I think those are important. Our particular mission here is to focus on inequality around creatives of color and how we can help make that better. That's that's our thing. Same way Patagonia focuses, they're here to save the planet. We're here to save the lives of creators of color. Like that's the way that I see it. And I think if all of us can work together on the different things that we're trying to solve, I think it's way better if ever we have more of these hyper focused mm. things versus folks trying to chase all these different things just to market to consumers. No, I agree. Um and it, it's just easier for people to understand like what your brand's all about. Yeah. And I always, I always talk to a lot of creators. I'm like, hey, like, yeah, I'm sure you can do a lot of things, but you got to be known for something. You got to focus <laughs> on one thing before you do anything else. Like yeah. everyone knows, I do hosting. Yeah. I do other things, but I make it very known. This is my, this, this is, is my lane. This is my thing. <laughs> my main thing. My main thing. <laughs> and what advice would you have for mm. creatives of color? Because as part of that inequality, there is resource inequality yes you know um it, it blows my mind every time we hear every time mm. i hear these conversations from creators where it's like hey you want to be successful you just gotta work hard and i'm like yeah 
But you come from probably a middle class family and you can literally not work for a whole year and you can just focus in on YouTube creation. That doesn't work for everyone. There's socioeconomic differences. Yes. But what are some things, regardless of the socioeconomic imbalance, um, what can creatives of color do Mm. to really build their build their brand establish their brand and and really build their business totally one of the first things that comes to mind is is mindset and the reason i say mindset is because so many of us experience things that um you know our white colleagues will never understand right Mm -hmm. and that is the the day-to-day trauma of just being you um seeing how you're treated on on screen when you know folks are being brutalized for for just existing um, from discrimination, you name it. There's so many things that we have to deal with and generational traumas. And so what I always encourage folks to work on is first work on your mindset because our greatest limitations happen here, Mm. right? And if you ever wanna become something, you really have to focus on and and have an, an analysis of yourself of where you might be falling short within your own head, right? Uh, because we are all capable of doing whatever we want to do, but it does require certain focus. Yes, some people are natural at certain things, but to get better for anyone, it just requires attentiveness and effort. And so I think when you think about that, carving out time for yourself to focus on your mindset um, and to get better in that regard, that's one of the first things that that I would do. And that could be, you know, listening to certain podcasts like this. Uh, it could be going to certain events. It could be, um, you know, having folks around you that are that are nourishing you in certain ways. So that's one of the ways. The other thing that I would do is I would take time to get clear on what the brand strategy is, what you are here to solve. Why do you exist? What is that problem? Um, why are you uniquely here to do something that someone isn't already doing? When you can work through that, you come out much clearer on the other side. And, and the reason why that's so important, this is before the logos, it's before the name, it is before you make a single product. And the reason that is important is so that every decision down channel, you refer back to this brand strategy. If it works, if it makes sense, cool, you can make that decision. If it doesn't, you don't need to do it. Because if you don't do that process, so many things can go fall off the rails, right? Whether it's doing too many things that you don't need to do because you think like, if I do all of these things, it's gonna advance my brand. No, it's not gonna happen quicker than you think it's gonna happen. It, it takes the same amount of time. It just takes time. Um, you might end up doing partnerships that don't look good for your business. Um, but you're thinking like, oh, if I do this thing, it'll get me somewhere. No, um, the other thing that I I always think about too is no one moment is gonna make or break you no one moment is going to be the moment where oh I'm successful or I've made it it will never that's not how it works life is just life and business building it's all just a series of moments And, and over time you'll have really really highs you'll have some lows hopefully not a ton of lows um, but to me, the real sweet spot is in the day to day, kind of being in that middle place and yeah. being happy with that. I I also tell creators to like collaborate with your peers. Uh, often they always want to go for the big person, the big brand, kind of like <clears throat> it's kind of like they're just 
oh, if you give me an opportunity, uh-huh. it's like, why are you waiting for someone to give you an opportunity when you have peers that you can grow with, you can build with, and you all have the same yep. mindset and focus. Yep. I mean, we we saw that with, um, why am I going brain fart? Um, insecure. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Issa Rae. Issa Rae. Yeah. We saw how that, we, we've seen other creatives who literally <laughs> just worked and collaborated with their peers horizontally instead of focusing on like networking collaborating vertically because you actually get more power collaborating horizontally versus trying to go uh, vertically i had a great conversation with eve he's the co-founder of uh, dreamville records and someone in the audience said like hey like i have you know have my beats here i have these things how do i get how do i get on your radar and i thought the question was it was an innocent question like i think anyone who's trying to get somewhere would ask that question but Eve's perspective was so interesting to me. I was like, this is what we should be teaching so many people. And it's to the notion of what you said. Eve said, why aren't you doing more with the folks around you? Why aren't you working with your creators creating noise? He said, when you're creating noise that we can't help to pay attention to, that's the way you would want it. You want me come looking for you. Because if you're looking for me, it comes across different. But if I'm looking for you, it's like you have something that I'm specifically looking for. And I don't think creatives realize how much power that they have in that is that you are creating the next wave. Like you're creating the the next record label. You're creating, you know, the next, I don't know, greatest art piece of all time or greatest podcast of all time. Um, anyone that's successful can respect that. Yeah. So what can you do where you're at to to really build towards that level you know i i was joking with my my wife yesterday and i kind of revisited some of my my mindset work but i would have like you know affirmations and things like that and i thought it was interesting but i was like i've always felt like the affirmations were just getting very long (laughs) (laughs) and I, i like stuff that i can like really like easily succinctly remember and so for me I was messing around with her yesterday, but I was like, I think my new affirmation is just going to be, what would Hove do? <laughs> and it's like, because when I think of Jay-Z, I think of like someone who every day has tried to get better mm-hmm. in various areas, right? Not a perfect human, didn't come from a perfect background, um, throughout his career, didn't have all the perfect scenarios. But I'd say that's someone that has tried to learn to do better. And I was like, in a joking way, I was like, why well, admire Jay-Z? It could be a dope way for me to think about things. <laughs> no, it is a dope way. And even like with the horizontally, like making noise, like a, a creator who is a perfect example of that is Tyler, the creator. Yes. Like a great example of like doing his own thing, yep. his own way, creating enough noise where like now he has this influence and power where he's like, I don't really need you. I could do, kind of do it on my own. I, on you my know? Own. I could do it on my own or do it with the group. And I, I think that as more people understand the power they have and how they mm-hmm. can build it with fellow, you know, fellow creatives, like yeah. that's where the power comes from. And that's that's how they build their future. Totally. And uh, speaking of future, what <laughs> is the future of Vima? What is the future <laughs> of Clayma? Yeah. Um, so future, um, there's a lot of things coming up. So um, we got the product stuff that I'm super excited about um, in, you know, the next couple weeks or months, we got like four or five new films that we're about to release, Ooh. short films that we're releasing. Um, not not like no million dollar, multi-million dollar production budgets yet, but um, they're like 
roughly around three to five minute pieces that we're really excited about um, that are going to speak towards the creative experience in um, oftentimes corporate settings and what kind of comes with that. Um, uh, for me personally, I'm going to be hosting a couple different things at different conferences and um, events um, back on with the Amazon project. Um, our podcast drops every Tuesday, so really excited about that. Um, and then, um, I would say, um, just continue growth. Yeah. Just continuing to figure out different ways to improve, um, tap into our community, um, and, and just show up. And then I think one day, you know, one day, eventually I'll pick my head up and be like, wow, we interviewed all of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> that's a great feeling, uh, to have. There's been a few people I've interviewed. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I interviewed them. Like right? that's, that's like a great check mark. Like, it's Oh, so got dope. that off the yeah. live call. It's so dope. And, uh, you've been dropping a lot of creative advice, but, uh, you're gonna have to drop another one yes. because I always ask at the end of the podcast, what is a real gem that mm. you want the viewers to walk away with? Like, what is that one piece of advice that mm. you feel like creators and even just people tuning in, like they need to understand and know? Who? let me sit and think with that one for a second. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the, the things that comes to mind is that, and, and a friend of mine in New Orleans told me this a long time ago and it, it actually shifted a lot for me. I, I will honestly say when he said this, I was like, wow. And I was telling him, I actually remember when I was going to um, Adidas and I, I got, the, got the job and it took me eight months to get this job. I remember texting our friend group and I was like, man, I'm so lucky to get this opportunity. And I think it wasn't even like 60 seconds after I sent this text message, he responded. He said, no, they're lucky to have you. And I think we get so caught up in thinking that we need to impress someone or validate someone to, to justify our own genius and existence and creative power. Um, that we don't give ourselves enough credit. Mm. And so what I would tell other creatives listening, other creatives that are on the path, aspiring, starting, um, is that you're great. And to, to truly believe in yourself and, and truly recognize that um, you're someone that they wanna meet. You're someone that they wanna have on their podcast. You're someone that they wanna write about and feature. Um, so don't, you know, short sell yourself just because you perceive someone else to have this power. Take space for yourself as well. Claim a seat. <laughs> well, Fima, thank you so much for claiming a seat here to give your background, your story and your journey. I really appreciate it. For those who are listening or tuning in, where can they find you? Yeah, totally. So we're on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, just look up at Claim of Stories. Um, if you want to connect with us on social, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Um, hit a, a LinkedIn as well uh, at Claim of Stories. And if, if you want to touch base with me, I'm most active on Instagram. So at Bima Williams. Um, I know I have a Twitter and these other things, but I just, I'm just, Instagram is my place. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bima, thank you so much for joining us here Absolutely. on today's podcast. Really appreciate it. And thank you so much to all the viewers and listeners who are tuning in. Let me know in the comment section on social media, what was your favorite part about this podcast? What is a real gem? that you walked away with. Make sure you 
follow, like, and subscribe. And stay tuned for the next episode. We have another great guest who's going to be talking about their journey and also dropping gems for you all. My name is Erin Ashley Simon. I'll see you all later for the next episode of Real Gems.